0: Well, good morning. Today marks the middle of our five-week series uh, about five habits of an everyday missionary. And so today is the the midpoint, week number three. And uh, so this series is really our catapult into the new church here, but also into the book of Acts. And so as we've looked back the last couple of weeks, if you haven't been here, I want to just give you a quick uh, review, so to speak, of where we have been. so the first week, um, we talked about the first Sunday about our gathering and how we as a church family must gather together if we're going to be everyday missionaries because of the benefits of encouraging one another, of, of living the gospel next to one another, rubbing shoulders with others, all of those things that we can get only if we are together. And so it's about gathering. That's what we looked at in the first week. And then uh, last week, as Pastor Paul uh, preached, he preached about maturity. He preached about growing, about the fact that God created us when he created us in Christ, not as perfect, ready to go to heaven, that there's a process. It's called sanctification that we all go through, and it begins when we become a believer, and we started that process, and we must grow. And it's a God-ordained growth. God is going to make the growth, but we as his people also have responsibility in that to put things in our life so that that growth is healthy. The same thing we do with our physical bodies. We, we grew. Uh, as a little child, we grew. But if we hadn't eaten as many Skittles and, and stayed more on the vegetables, we probably would have been a little bit more healthy, right? And so it's the same way with our spiritual growth. We have to work our responsibilities to work to grow. And so that was last week. This week, as Dan has mentioned, we're going to talk about generosity. You've already spent an hour of that talking about it in Life Group. I hope you really had some application of what it looks like for us to be generous people. Um, and we're going to take it another step further and look at why we are supposed to be that way today. And then, of course, next week, Pastor Paul will, will be back with us, and he will uh, talk about engagement and how we are to be intentional about our gospel, how we're sharing, how we have the eyes of Christ for those around us. What is God putting in front of us He wants us to do, and are we engaging in that? And then we'll finish up the last week of January on the 30th talking about our fidelity. And basically how I say that in, in, in two or three words is this, we have a Lord, He's the Lord Jesus. Jesus. And there is no Lord. There is no way to say no Lord. We must say yes, Lord, if He's really our Lord. So are we we being, are we doing, are we obeying what God and what Christ has commanded us? So that's our fidelity. We'll look at that the last week. So today, let's back up and let's talk about the midpoint this week about generosity, about giving. And so I want to start with prayer this morning, but I want to pray a prayer that that the Apostle Paul gave to the church at Thessalonica. Because I, as I read this, this is really what my prayer is. And I think the staff's prayers, we've kind of talked about this series together. This is not something that just Pastor Paul came up with. Uh, we spent time in staff meeting really thinking about how we as a church need to be functioning. And that's where this, this message series, this short little series comes from. And so this is, I think, the prayer of the staff to you, to the congregation um, so listen to these words uh, that are found in, um, well, i got to open my Bible to find them, don't I? That'll be helpful. This is in 1 in Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 9 um, through 13. Listen to these, ver- these words, and think of them as a prayer for me to you. For what thanksgiving can we, re- can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God As we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face. And we do that, to see you face to face each week. And supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all of us, as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let me continue my prayer. Father, as I stand here today, I pray you speak to us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how we can read it together, know it's from you, and know the purpose of it is to help us to love you more, help us to understand you better, to increase our knowledge of You, Lord, if You have revealed Yourself in Your Word, and we thank You for that. I pray that You, you use this time to, to strengthen our church, use this time to motivate us because we love You and because we see that You love us and You are a God of love. Father, I pray You take this time and make it beneficial. We praise You and we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to stay in Thessalonians. Um, Today, we're going to go all over the place in Thessalonians. So, um, let me give you a little background of this church and a little background of what Paul is writing about here. Obviously, this is a letter written to a church in the city of Thessalonica, and it's written back to them after Paul has obviously been through there and he has left. Um, what's interesting to me in this is that Paul only stayed with them, it says, three Sabbaths. This is from the book of Acts. It tells us that uh, Ones, you remember, he got called to Macedonia. He went to Philippi. He, he started, began a church in Philippi, was persecuted, put in jail. We have the great story in Acts of the, the Philippian jailer. After he gets out of jail there, um, he, he speaks to the, the believers again, and then he leaves them. And then he goes to a couple of other cities, and then he ends up in Thessalonica. And it says that he spent three Sabbaths speaking in their, in their synagogue. Three Sabbaths is it. That's less than three weeks he was there. So I want you to keep that in mind to how fresh and how new his relationship was with these people as we talk about being givers of self. Because I think the point of this and, and the point of the verse we have today is to look at the love, look at the generosity Look at the giving of self that Paul had for this church and what can we take from that that we as believers should also have the same generosity. I appreciate what Dan said earlier about Lottie Moon giving and how we've already reached our goal, which we have, which is, which is awesome, into this week of, of January already to go over it by $20,000. Um, I think that's a, a, a place we can point to to say that, yes, we are a generous church, uh, we are a church that cares about missions. We are a church that, that wants to see the gospel shared uh, across the world. We see that. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of speaking to you today as, as those who are being generous, but I want to stand up here and exhort you and to challenge you to be more and more. Uh, if you look at 1 Thessalonians, actually Paul does the same thing. If you look in, uh, in, in verse 10 of chapter 4, he says this. He says, um. For that, indeed, is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So he also found a church that was already doing this love and hospitality, and he encouraged them to do it more. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to encourage you to say, yes, we met our goal, of missions. We did that kind of giving. But now I'm going to encourage you to do it more and more. And it's going to go beyond our money. In fact, this is not a Stewardship Sunday sermon. In fact, we're going to talk very little about any of that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about us. We're going to talk about how God expects us to give. You've already done that for an hour in life group if you were able to be there. When you talked about being hospitable, opening up your home, what it looks like for us to be open to the world, that is giving self. And that's what these verses are about. So let's read our, our key verses today. It's in uh, chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 8. Now, remember what I said at the beginning. This is a church that he had known for how long? Less than three weeks. In our circles, that's still a stranger, right? If if you're here today and this is your first time here, you're not a part of us yet. We'd love to get to know you, uh, but that's going to take some time, and we would love for you to join us. But it's going to take some time before you're part of us. But then you read these words that the, the Apostle Paul wrote, and you're like, hold on. Those words sound like, Someone who knows and has known someone forever. Listen to these words in that verse, uh, verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. So the challenge to us today is can we say that to those who are outside of us today, to our neighbors can we say that to those that we don't know yet that are strangers? Do we say that to those who came in this door maybe for the first time today? Are we desirous of them affectionately? Do we treat them like a nursing mother? Do we want to love them that way? Well, if, if we say, well, that's not, just, that's not normal. Why is it not normal? Because It takes, we think of love in that way, right? We think of love as being that thing that makes us be able to say these words. So I think when we look at this passage today, really to get an idea of how we are to be that generous is we have to back up and see where our generosity comes from. Because I think if we get a good grasp of the generosity that we have as believers, then I think it makes it more sense of why Paul could say this and how we should be able to say this to no matter who comes in to our gathering, but also in our own homes and in our workplaces. Can we say that about those people that we're affectionately desirous of them? We should be able to say that about all people. So that's what I want us to spend this time doing, is looking at the why. Looking at the why. Um, like you've already studied, I'll give you this, you, you already know it. The missional value that drives this habit that we're talking about of giving of self is gen- generosity. Generosity. You looked at that in life group today. Two words I think that help us understanding the word generosity um, are hospitality, which you dealt a lot with today, and also another word that I think we kind of use and kind we know what it means, but it's hard to describe because it's so big, is kindness. I really think if we took the word kind to its, to its superlative, to, to the end of it, I think that's where we find generosity, is that we are kind. We're loving. We're open. We're willing to share. Those, that kindness word, I think, is a good word for us to look at as how we want to be seen to the outside world. We want to be seen as being kind, so kindness. I like this passage in 1 Timothy 6.18. This is what Paul tells Timothy about those in his church that are rich. Of course, we have to back up and remember that we are all rich in Christ, right? And also that in in the world that we live in, as a first world country, we are rich compared to the world. So listen to these words. Paul tells Timothy, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Same kind of idea ready to share, ready to give. This is a part of a good work. This is a part of what we're called to do. And you know, there's, there's all kinds of, of motivations to do good, to, to give of ourselves. Uh, you probably have probably have heard them. There's advertisements for them. I just want to give you this. A lot of those, though, are, are, are selfish. Did you know that our giving can be selfish? Our giving is selfish if we're, if we're giving so it makes us feel good. We feel better about ourselves. It's also um, selfish if, if we're doing it so others, how others see us. We think about the Pharisees in that, how they gave so that others would see them giving. Do you give so that others see you in a certain way? That's selfishness. Or maybe even it's almost like a penance. It's like it's a guilt thing. You know, we give because we have so much and we feel like we should. It's, it's almost like we or maybe we're trying to get rid of something that we're not doing or where we're not giving. So, those things can be selfish ways or reasons to give. Um, there's also giving because of causes. There's things that we see that people need things. There's people that we, we have empathy for folks, sympathy for folks and how they're hurting. Um, there's all kinds of, of giving to causes and things when a, when a hurricane comes through. We've got storms. All those things, they cause us to give. They're, those are causes that we, that we want to give for. What I I would say, though, is each of those, if it's the selfish giving or if it's even to causes, all of those work just as well on a non-believer as they do a believer. Would you agree with that? So if a non-believer can give for those reasons, then there should be something different about us of why we give that's not in that realm if we really want to get down to this affectionately desirous kind of giving of ourself. And that's what I want us to look at today. And I tell you, there is something that makes us different in that as believers. And that thing is is the gospel. That's what we have to back all the way up to see. The root of our generosity really comes from our belief, our understanding, our acceptance, and our um, acknowledgement, our proclamation of the gospel. See, the gospel is the source for believers' generosity, our hospitality, or the giving of ourself. All those things, I'm going to use those words interchangeably today. They all kind of point to the same thing. It's how we give of ourself. So the gospel is the source for believers' generosity. So I'm going to give you three, and that's the first one of why do I give? That's the first one, the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, back up to that first in that verse. It says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. See where Paul starts it? We were entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So Paul gives us the answer to his source of why he can say, even though he's known these people for such a short length of time, that he came in such a nurturing, loving way. It's because of the gospel that was entrusted to him. So let's have a reminder about the gospel. What are we talking about the gospel, and how does it relate to our generosity well, we know the gospel means it's a proclamation. It's, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that God sent some, someone to save us, right? It's, it's that salvation is possible. Because if you remember back, if you think about the whole plan of salvation, the gospel itself is that God created a good world. Sin interrupted that good world through Adam and Eve and broke, broke God's design. And because it was sin, it was against God, it had to be punished by a holy God, and the wrath of God had to be punished on that, towards that sin, which is us. So we are standing ready to accept the wrath of God because of our sin. But God, because He loves us, made a way that we can pass that wrath off of ourselves onto Christ. That Christ came, lived a perfect life, lived a life we couldn't live, and died on the cross, took all of the wrath, all of the punishment, poured out on Him for sin, and He died and, and did away with it. Because He did away with it, now we, if we accept Him, can stand without guilt before God, declared righteous by Christ because He died the death for us. And don't forget the resurrection. The resurrection happens because there was no punishment left for God to give to Christ. He had poured all of that wrath out. And so it was kind of like there is no reason for Jesus to be dead anymore. Because that's the punishment for sin. There is no punishment left. It's all been done. So Christ is raised. And that also points to our belief that we will be raised one day because there, will, there is no wrath on us as believers. So, in Mark, Jesus gives us the way that we accept this gospel. We first believe it. We believe that this happened, that Jesus did this. We repent of our sins and we say, God, we don't want to be against you. And then we follow Christ. And if we do that, then we have accepted Christ and we are what we would call saved. That's the gospel. So, Which part of that, again, deals with generosity? Well, I'm getting there. Why did God choose to save us? In the gospel, why did God choose to save us? Let's look at some scripture together. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. 1 through 3, we know, talks about where we were, that we were dead in our sin. Verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I want to look at this passage for a second because I think there's there's four words in here, and and, uh, John Stott's commentary on this really points to this. He says in his commentary on Ephesians, he says, Paul goes beyond a description of God's saving action. He gives us some understanding of his motivation. So why did God save us? Indeed, the major emphasis of this whole paragraph is that what prompted God to act on our behalf was not something in us, but something in himself. Paul assembles four words to express the origins of God's saving initiative. He writes of God's mercy, God's love, God's grace, and God's kindness. Those four attributes of God are why God saved us. Because of his love, his mercy, his grace, and his kindness. And if I think if you wrap all those four words together you're going to end up with a definition of generosity, of a definition of being generous. So why did God do what He did? Because He is a generous God. Paul writes it in another place the same way. Listen to the same words in Titus 3, 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Two passages written by Paul that talk about the gospel and give us the motivation of God for the gospel, and it's those four words are used in both passages. So when we think about why we are to be generous and to be different, It's not about guilt. It's not about looking good before someone else. It's not because even our sympathy towards other people. It's because of mercy. It's because of love. It's because of grace. It's because of kindness. Those are the motivations in a believer that causes us to be generous. Now, what's different that that people that are not believers can't do that? Well, there is a difference. It's called our heart. We know from other Scripture that we have been given a new heart then now we have the capacity as God's people to love. We have the capacity to do that that the world doesn't have. They need those other motivations. They need things outside of themselves to love others or even about themselves. We, because of a new heart, we do it because of love, kindness, mercy, and grace. None of those things are dependent on who we're loving All of those things come from within, and that's how it is with God in the gospel. All of the love he gives us, our salvation comes from him giving to us because he loves us. He gave of himself. A little bit further down in Ephesians, starting in 4, verse 32, it says this, Be kind to one another. Listen to the same words. I mean, they're all over the place. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to give. So the first reason that we give, the first reason that we give of ourselves, as that, that verse says that God gave of himself, is because of the gospel. So, reason number two why do we give? Why do we give? Number two, love is the reason for generosity. Love is the reason for generosity. So, I want to take it from a different spin. I want to look at what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? He said, for us to love God, right? with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our might. And the second is like it, love our neighbor. So love is a reason that we give of ourselves. Also we have in that John 3:16. How does that verse begin? For God so loved the world that he gave. We should really now as his imitators of God, as the imitators of God as Christ, trying to be like Christ as we are becoming like him, we should be able to say, for I so love the world that I give. I don't give just my money, I give me. Christ didn't just, God didn't just bless us with financial giving. He didn't just bless us with certain things. He gave of himself, and that's what we're called to do through love. Other verses that point to this, John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no other than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 1, 19 says, We love because he first loved us. And then I want to spend just a minute in the passage that Sam read earlier. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Listen to these words about love and how it should motivate us. It should be why we give. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Verse 12 tells us that the love is perfected in us. That sanctification process, it doesn't start that way, but it should get that way. It's the process. And then verse 7 tells us that it's only believers who have this perfected love. It's something that the world doesn't have. But we have it as believers. Are we, are we using it? We have the capacity. Are we put it to work? So first we love God. Other verses that talk about loving God first. If, um, if you love me, feed my sheep, right? First Thessalonians 2 4, But to please God who tests our hearts. Then we also, it's because we love God and also we love others like God loves others. The verses that we read talk about being gentle among you, nursing mother, affectionately desires for you, very dear to us. And then 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. He knew these people less than three weeks. I hope you keep that in mind. We are not talking about a long friendship, but we're talking about a relationship that is deeper than time can make it. It's because it's the love of Christ. And I think we'll see in a minute, we'll see verses I'm going to pull out that actually speak to the to the Thessalonians how they love Paul in less than three weeks. In the same way. So the third one. So we've got the gospel and we've got love. The third reason why we give. The gospel is displayed by our generosity, by our giving. The gospel is displayed. As we've talked about the gospel, there's one part of it that talks about how when God, you know, God created the world, it was perfect, it was good, and then sin broke that perfectness, broke God's design, and it also broke the relationships. Remember, God in the very beginning was three in one in a perfect relationship among the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He had that relationship, and then He created us in His image, and He gave us the capacity to also be in relationship. So we have this ability to be in relationship that love is a part of, that love is an integral part of, but sin has robbed us of that. So what does the gospel do in dis- or how do we, in our generosity display the gospel? is that we show the world that that is possible again. So the first is the triune God He built, He created us for relationships. Genesis 27, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, He created them. That's we have the capacity to be in relationship. Christ comes. And He reconciles us to the Father, but not only to the Father, He also gives us the ability to reconcile to one another. Listen to these verses, Colossians 119, which is Paul will use this next week. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. We're now reconciled to God through Christ. Ephesians two seventeen through 19 says, And He came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens." with the saints and members of the household of God. We now have the ability, because of the gospel, to be in relationship with one another, to have a loving relationship because we are willing to give of ourself. We're willing to die to self. Remember that part of the gospel? The part of the gospel is that we follow Christ, that we deny ourselves and we live for Him. Part of that is denying ourselves when it comes to our relationships, putting the needs and the wants of others above us so that we can show them love and we can show them the gospel and be a display of it to them. Relationships are are restored through the gospel to God and to one another. Listen to these verses back in 1 Thessalonians, and and this is where I say that you see what the, the people of Thessalonica were doing back to Paul. He says in uh, chapter 1, verse 12, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. But back up to verse 9, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. What kind of reception did, they, did Paul find? You read further down in there that they accepted the gospel message, and they loved him because of that, and they started praying for him as he, had to, he was ripped from them because of persecution once again and he longed to be back with them and they longed to see him and he finds that out through, his, through Timothy and it tells us in First Thessalonians 3.6 is where we read that it says but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you So it wasn't some super-Christian love that allowed Paul to have this uh, motherly, generous spirit towards the Thessalonians. No, we see it in regular, very early on baby Christians are also returning that love back to Paul. That's what we're called to do. It's not a super Christian thing for us to have this ability to be generous. It's all of us because of the love of Christ inside of us that we love those who are our church family. We love those who are outside who we hope become part of our church family. We love because God loves us and he's given us the capacity to love others. And when we do this, we are showing those around us the gospel. I hope you heard in life group this morning, uh, as you read through that, I hope uh, your teacher pointed out Pastor Paul's eye-opening experience when he was talking to a pastor, and the pastor said that he um, thought it was kind of illegitimate, so to speak, if you were willing to share the gospel with someone, but you weren't willing to share a meal with them. That's us displaying love before we share the gospel. That's us displaying love to others by that we're willing to love them when we don't even know them. They're a perfect stranger to us. I also uh, loved what Sam Tarwater said this morning in our prayer time. When he was talking about that 1 John passage. He mentioned it, it talks in there about love has no fear. And as we talked in our life group this morning, something that came up over and over again was I don't know if I'm going to be willing to do this with folks I don't know. You know, there's, you know, it wasn't said, but this is what we're all thinking there's bad people out there. But love has no fear. Do we live that way? Do we understand the gospel in a way? Does it change our mindset that we're not worried about the temporal? We're not worried if somebody steals our stuff. We're not even worried, heaven you know, forbid, that they kill us because where are we headed? To heaven. Love should give us that, no fear. To be open, to be willing to be hospitable because we have no fear because of love, because we understand what we have when we have the gospel. We have everything we need in Christ. Nobody can take anything from us anymore because we have Christ. So now I want to finish with with a couple of applications of what this generosity should look like for us, Calvary Baptist Church. What does it look like for you on a day-to-day basis that you live a life where you are giving of self? So our walk before outsiders requires for us to be generous with the gospel and generous with ourselves. Our walk. One more verse. 1 Thessalonians 4.12 So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Remember, this is what Paul's wish is what his desire is for his church that he birthed in less than three weeks, that they would walk properly among outsiders. So how do we do that here at Calvary? Five areas. Our first one is our time. Are you willing to be generous in giving of self of your time? Sometimes it's a better commodity than any money, right? Are you willing to give up what you want to do what you think you need to do to help others, to answer that door, to do things in all kinds of ways? I'll just give you a list. Are you willing to give your time for relationships? Are you willing to really find out how someone is thinking? Are you willing to give up your time to meet the needs of others around you? Are you willing to give up your time to meet the needs of our church? Are you willing, once in a while, not to be fed in here and instead be in the preschool building on Sunday morning? Are you willing to get out of your life group where you're fed every week and go teach a children's class? Are you willing to give up your time to do things that our church needs to do so that we function as a healthy body? That's what love is. That's what giving is. Are you willing to give up your time and go on the mission trips that the church puts forward? Are you willing to give up your time to be in a d-group and to strengthen other people like you and be strengthened yourself and give up your time? One specific one I want to point to before I move on is our prayer time at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings. This morning we had 13 people there. Sam counted. Twice it grew, thankfully. Thirteen people. This goes back to the week at the end, the, the last Sunday about fidelity. Do we believe that it takes us praying for God to move and to be a part of what He wants to do? Does He call us to that? I believe He does. He calls us to pray. Do you want to see your church... Being exactly what God wants it to be. It takes prayer. We meet every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Are you willing to give up your time? Get up 30 minutes earlier. That's all it takes. If If you're here at 8.30, it only takes 30 minutes earlier, no matter what your schedule is, for you to be here and us as a church to pray for our Sunday. And to pray for our mission efforts and to pray for our community ministry efforts and pray for all the things that we as a church should be praying for corporately together. Are you willing to give up your time for that? Are you willing to come and pray? Do you think it's important? The elders do. That's why we have it every Sunday without exception. Come pray with us. 15 minutes. You'll be early to life group. I'm the first one there. Tommy's the first one there every week because we've been in the prayer time. Come pray with us at 8 o'clock. Let's pray that God moves among us. Come pray with us. Number two, our resources. This is that little part of time we talk about stewardship, it is about giving. I'm thankful that I belong to a church that we were within $6,000 in 2021 of meeting our budget. $6,000. That is an awesome church that gives. Because we set that budget without really knowing what we're what we're going to get in because December is usually a good month. And so we set the budget and we actually vote on it the end of November first of December for the next year with faith that God is going to bless us at this level because this is what we think we'll take to do the ministries. And you as a people give. And I commend you for that. I commend you for giving to mission trips. I commend you for giving to all of those things. But now it's, let's abound more and more, right? Giving our financially, but it's not only our financial resources. It's also our resources of our homes, it's our resources of the things we have that we can leverage for the gospel. What do you have in your life that you can leverage for gospel, for the gospel? One that I want to point out there is our mission trips that are coming up. We have two mission trips that we have just put on the calendar. One is to Guatemala, and the other one is to Vermont. Are you willing to give up your time and your resources to go on a short-term mission trip that we as the church feel like we need to do? Guatemala, we're going down to uh, be with uh, a church there that we partner with, and we're going to train, and we're going to go out and visit in homes. We're going to do that kind of ministry in Guatemala. And then in Vermont, we're going to be in the construction crew in Vermont, still building the duplex to finish up the duplex that we at the Wiregrass have built for the college up there. If either one of those, you can give up your time and your finances to go, sign up. We need folks to sign up to go. This is us getting back on the mission field. We've been off of it for about, oh, 18 months or so. These two trips are, are ready for us. Can you go on one of these trips? The next place I want to talk about about our walk is our homes. You did a lot of that discussion in life group today, so I won't belabor the point. But the point is, we have to have a home that is safe for others to come into, hear the gospel, and us display it through our love. Live out this message that I'm giving you today in your home with other people. The next one is, in our walk, is our hearts. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by our hearts? I mean that we have to be vulnerable and open, willing to, to to let people in, willing to take the, the guards down. That's part of love, is being open and real with those around us. And then the last one is our knowledge. Are we willing to, the things we learn in here, pass along to others? Are we willing to be in a D group together and really deal with a passage and, and really struggle with it and teach one another with it? There are things that each of us know from our walk with Christ that we need to be willing to share with others and see them grow in it. Encourage others, encourage those around you. So there's five areas that I think we as Calvary Baptist Church can, can practically work in being a church that is a giver of self. And that's what my challenge is to you today, is to do that more and more. Do that more and more. Because of where it comes from, it comes from God. It comes from what He's done in my life. It's what He's done in your life. And now it's our turn to have to turn it outward to others. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for the gospel. I thank You for the, the proclamation of the good news that You came to save us. And Lord, I pray for any of those, anybody in here right now who, who has not accepted You, has not... Repented and turned from their sin, Lord, that today will be the day that they will acknowledge you as king. Acknowledge that their way is not going to lead them to heaven. That they must accept your salvation that comes through Christ. Father, I pray for us as a people that we will continue to be a giving church. But that our financial giving will be on the bottom rung of the ladder of what we give. That people look at us not as the church that gives a lot of money, but they will look at us as a church that loves everyone around us. That we are kind, we are compassionate, we are merciful, we are gracious. All of those things because you have been those things to us. And now we are your children. We have your heart. Help us to give to others in that way. God, you are great and mighty, and we love you. May we abound in that love to others. In Jesus' name.